Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with two of our wonderful CICC coaches, Angeline Kalhoff and Terry Niemeyer, and they are here to spend time with us today in a two-part podcast conversation that's really focused on positive behavior guidance and understanding behavior a little bit more and the way that we respond as caregivers, as educators to young children. And before we jump in with Terry and Angeline, I just have an announcement to make about our podcast. This is our 200th episode of Inclusion Matters. We are so thrilled to have been around for as long as we have. We've been doing these podcasts for 15 plus years, and they've been really useful for a lot of you out there, I know, in just using them for staff meetings, using them to share short snippets of information with others. So with that, I think we're going to jump in with Terry and Angeline and talk about everyone's favorite topic in early childhood, behavior, and how to respond to behavior. So I'm going to ask you two, as coaches, what are some of the things that you see consistently when you're out coaching in childcare? We serve the whole state of Minnesota. We serve family childcare, center-based care. What are some things that you notice out? So as I've been coaching, um, some common themes pop up around the, um, throughout all of the the programs that I've been with. A lot of times we see biting, not sharing, maybe some hitting. Also, nap time issues seem to bubble up quite a bit when talking with providers from across the state. And so... I think those are some of the the common kinds of things. Um, I've also heard providers talk about just maybe talking back or saying no to Mm -hmm. their their teachers. And so that's something else that I have heard a lot of. That's great. Thanks, Terry. To add to that, um, I have heard providers also talk about... um, just children interacting with each other that oftentimes they have a hard time sharing. They have a hard time um, kind of communicating what their needs are. Um, And similar to what Terry said, a lot of times it's that talking back. Um, Also, I've had providers share um, some of that potty talk of those words that are not necessarily um, words that we want to hear in the childcare setting. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're taught, when you're um, listing those things that you mentioned, both of you, they're, they're so common. And I think that one thing that our coaching can really do is to help folks providing care for children in whether it's family child care home or a center-based site to help them realize, you know what, this is a common part of children's development that they do have to sometimes push the boundaries. And that's what behavior is, is they're telling us what they need. And our job as that professional, as that caregiver, is to help them choose ways that are more socially appropriate other than I want information, I want attention. So I'm going to do, you know, potty talk and I'm going to do some spitting at the snack table just to get everybody to look at me. You know, our job is to really help them understand better. Well, what's a better option? 
Is that what you're noticing out there too, that, that sometimes folks just need that reminder? Yeah, most definitely. And I also think too, that, um, a lot of times kids are noticing that when they have that behavior, um, emotions run high. And so the energy with that response from that provider is just what they want. They want that attention. They want that loudness. They want that specific person to be like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? Um, and so they're giving that attention to more of those negative behaviors instead of looking for those positives. Right. Yeah. Terry, you were going to add something. Yeah. While you're talking about that, I was thinking about how so much in the our field is about relationship. And sometimes children um, just want to have that relationship with the provider. And if spitting or doing something silly, standing in line gets that relationship and connection with the grown up, they're going to do that. And so it's really great to kind of think of ways to flip around that energy that the the children are wanting to get from us. And we can do that by visiting with them about the things that are going right in each moment and, Mm -hmm. you know, that way. Yeah. I'm glad you both brought, you brought up two really important things that I think it's, it's critical to highlight when you're talking about behavior is just that. Um, that connection, that relationship, that energy that that child wants from that adult. And sometimes, you know, it's that attention from their peers that is another plus. But it also could be, too, some of those habits that, you know, children sometimes know, well, I'm going to get the biggest bang for my buck if I do the big thing. And that's and it works, you know, that that's, you know, as I think you said just very few minutes ago, oh my goodness, what's going on here? That energy that, you know, stop everything, draw all, and I'm picturing the group story and someone starts to make some sort of weird noise or, or do something that, you know, isn't necessarily perfect for listening, we'll say, (laughs) and the whole group turns to that child. That's a really powerful thing to have all of that attention on you. And so, you know, when we talk about that energy, it is a powerful thing for children. And so helping them understand how they can feel that energy in a, in a different way that's going to be more conducive to further positive connection with their adult and also their peers. What are some of those common phrases that you hear when those challenges occur, though? What are some things that you find happen pretty consistently when you're coaching as far as that response from the adult? A lot of times I think programs will will say things like we need to share or um, maybe they another common one that I've said is keep your hands to yourself so when they're sitting during circle time and they're they're getting a little fidgety having that reminder um, some programs will say things like crisscross applesauce just to help children think about how to kind of calm themselves down and and sit during uh, group activity time. And just those little reminders of using your inside voice. Um, we use walking feet, maybe mm-hmm. reminding children that we have to wait. And so I think as providers, we start to have kind of this 
go-to set of things that we do say throughout the, the day that kind of um, helps the, the children know. Sometimes we might not even realize what we're saying throughout the day, mm-hmm. but the children know. We start getting into our own patterns and routines of what we say when a, beha- a particular behavior happens. And that that's actually a really good thing mm-hmm. for the children to have that consistency. Right. Angeline, you, you're going to tell, you're going to say something. I can tell you're just chomping up a bit to say something. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I was thinking about when Terry was commenting on that is, um, you know, being with different providers, you almost start to see like a, a culture within their program. And so like Terry was saying, they have their own phrases that they typically will say, and the kids know how to respond to that. So the way we say something they go to a different childcare or maybe even in a center to a different classroom and the wording might be different and that child might need some time to adjust to that because it's not as familiar to them as that same comment. And so that is just one thing to kind of keep in mind too, is if a child is like appearing to not know what you're saying to them or how to respond to it, um, we might need to rethink as adults or providers how we're phrasing something so that child knows what's expected of them. Right. And, you know, when you I'm I'm thinking back to my days in the classroom and my days as a coach as well. And some of those phrases, as you were saying, and that culture of a child care setting can be they can sometimes be phrases that don't say a whole lot and don't give enough information for that child who maybe is new or maybe moved to a different group or they left that child care entirely. And now they're a new person at a whole new family child care home, and that that provider doesn't say walking feet. They say something else. And so I think that as as we, you know, we we look to our, we look at, we are educators first in early childhood. That's what we do. We help educate and care for children. And so how are we really educating kids to do, and how are we helping them use what they're learning in our phrases that's going to carry them through life? And so I think that some of those phrases like walking feet. Okay. That's pretty clear. But then there are some others that are pretty vague. Any examples of those? Yeah. One that I have been hearing a lot in programs is the, the term, no, thank you. And so an example of how that might be used is let's say there are two children playing together and then there's a disagreement about what to do and there's a squabble over a toy and the teacher walks over and says, no, thank you. And what she's meaning is for the children to share. But mm-hmm. um, the the culture in the, the classroom, the children may know um, that that's what the teacher means. Or the, the child might be really confused because up until that point, they only heard the phrase, no, thank you, when being offered something and they didn't want to get it and then said, no, thank you. And so mm-hmm. I have been hearing when I have been out and about teachers seeing a behavior, maybe there is hitting or some other type of situation where the the teacher does walk over and says, no, thank you. I have also seen children saying it to one another 
instead of mm-hmm. like explaining what what they want their friend to do instead mm-hmm. of saying hey let's let's take turns the child might be saying no thank you no thank you no thank you <laughs> and they're not <laughs> having this communication that we're we're hoping for right and so that has been something that i have noticed and have been talking with providers uh, about that's great. That's a great example, Terry, um, of just the assumption that that short phrase that an adult will say has could have multiple meanings. Um, Angeline, any any other examples that kind of fit that category? Yeah, I have seen that used also, um, and I think what I've noticed about it is it's the standard phrase, and it's not used to replace like walking feet. It's used to replace many different phrases. And so the children don't know what that expectation is. So for example, um, if it's during circle time and a child is standing up and starting to leave that circle time, instead of saying, oh, it's time to sit down with our friends and listen, no, thank you. Um, And then it might be during nap time and that child is trying to get off of their cot and this um, provider will say, no, thank you. And the child really is trying to figure out what am I supposed to do next because mm-hmm. I keep hearing that phrase and there's not that second piece to it. Um, and right. I've seen kids be um, confused and just kind of frustrated with that, especially um, I've seen it as early as like toddler rooms um, and those children are just starting to learn what phrases mean and what they're supposed to do. And that gets to be really confusing for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look at the gift of of helping children to grow into being these happy, healthy human beings, the greatest gift is to help them gain communication skills. Because when you think about communication, whether it's verbal, um, you know, the, the facial communication, whether it's physical communication of just a gentle touch or a real strong hit, all of those pieces are going to help them move out of that childcare setting into life and join the human race and be able to communicate their wants and needs effectively. And that's our job is to help them to do what they need to do to communicate their wants and needs. That's what we want children to be able to do. And, you know, I think that your example of using some of those open-ended kind of unclear phrases in a toddler room, especially when those little ones are just starting to understand the spoken language and how that connects to behavior and how their communication with their verbal skills can make or break a situation. Because I think that it it goes back to what maybe you said earlier on in the um, podcast, Terry, when you were talking about no, you know, children being able to just say no, or, you know, and, and being that termed as talking back. Well, us helping children to, you know, part of that is independence to say, no, I don't want to do that right now. But then helping them to go that next step of what's going on, what is what is behind that? No, no, that hurts. No, that's too scary. No, I don't like that. You know, giving them that next phrase to attach to those terms too. Yeah, I as you're talking, I just love how you're talking about the importance of adding on. So maybe in that situation, the child's just expressing no. I don't want to do something, but I love 
the fact that the provider can look at the child, see what else might be going on. You might have to be that super sleuth and figure out what mm-hmm. else is going on and then be able to say, oh, you don't want to because it looks like you have a scared look on your face or start helping them by realizing what emotions they might be feeling, naming those emotions and what their body might be feeling can really help just add on to the the language that they are expressing. Even if maybe it's not exactly what we're, we're hoping for in that, that moment, but knowing that all of the behavior that a child is displaying some form of communication Um, If they're not able to express the word no, flopping down on the floor um, is another way to express the word no. Yes, very true. (laughs) So just really, um, Angeline and I often will say we have to be those super sleuths, just really being that detective, like what else is going on in this situation? And try to think through the eyes of the child. Maybe um, I'm thinking children sitting around a table with art supplies, and maybe we think it's going to be a really fun and exciting activity. We have glitter, we have glue, we have cotton balls, and a child says, uh, no, yuck. And, And so just thinking about how can I help them still have fun during this moment and feel successful and also honoring their, their feelings in that moment and helping them through whatever it is that they're going through. If it's a sensory kind of thing, or if it is a social situation, helping the child um, through that. And we can add on to that, that language that they're trying to express through their behaviors. Definitely. That's, that's great. That's a great reminder too, I think, because sometimes, um, you know, being that guide, being that super sleuth, that's the majority of the work that we're really in that space to be doing. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, oh, I'm going to provide all these great experiences and, oh, I'm going to make sure that all of these things are done so that everything looks great and feels good. But if we're not helping build those skills and tools for children to take outside into the world, then we're doing them a disservice. So with that, I feel like we want to maybe wrap up this podcast and look at a part two as going into a little more detail about ways that we can say things in a clearer way, how we can model to children to have that emotional skill to know what those feelings are and how to talk about them out loud and communicate some of those feelings instead of flopping on the floor. Um, this is one example. And all of that, um, I look forward to having Angeline and Terry back to join us for part two on this great discussion related to behaviors and how important the language we use as educators and adults in their lives really can make a difference. I would love it if those of you listening out there would reach out to us on social media and, you know, share with us some of the things that you found yourself saying as maybe some of those phrases that now as you're hearing this podcast, you're thinking, wait a second, maybe I wasn't giving enough information. We would love to know some more, you know, how you see that information and how you have really maybe fallen into that routine, um, because we all have. We've all used those phrases, and it, it 
um, happens, and we'd just love to know more from you. So with that, I'm going to invite Terry and Angeline back for part two. And thank you all for joining us for part one on our um, 200th episode of Inclusion Matters. And if you're looking for other information related to behavior, we have tip sheets, we have other podcasts, and we also have self-study courses on our website at inclusivechildcare.org. And um, feel free to reach out to us there and also through our social media. I look forward to having you back. Thank you, Terry and Angeline. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.